0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On the Air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns, with me, Amal Abdullahi. The show is all about talking about race, diversity and everything in between, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic Aotearoa. We talk about all these huge life things through the lens of people's lives and stories. I hope every yarn, you take a wee gem from it and expands your heart and mind just a wee bit more. Kia ora Kevin
1: Kia ora <laughs> Welcome to the show, I'm super
0: super excited to have you on <laughs> yeah, Thank
1: you so much for having me, it's very exciting We just
0: started the interview but I'm already on a bus
1: because you are dancing yeah. Bollywood music Yes we bus, were, so. in the middle of Pipitiya campus in a room, people could see us It was a great great time It was time. glorious It was, yeah, yeah, I get it all out there <laughs> um,
0: Thank you so much for randomly answering my Instagram DM and now we're here um, and to start off the show, I'd love if you could kind of tell us who you are how, However you'd like to define yourself, you know, what communities you belong to What lands and people you call home, what you yeah. do for mahi, what you really care about Tell me everything! Okay, oh gosh! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Packed question! Um, yeah, so kia ora, koki and toku ingoa I am 24 years old, I live in Wellington um, I've, yeah, pretty much growing up here my whole life. I think for the past 20 years, um, I was born in Auckland, but yeah, still don't don't feel much of a connection <laughs> to there in the big you know, the big city. Um, yeah, I identify as um, queer. Um, I'm Indian Gujarati, um, and yeah, I just I, I really care about my community, about the queer community, about the Indian community. Um, I think I'm really bringing those like two spaces together, especially in like the context of Aotearoa. Um, Yeah, I love writing, love reading, um, (laughs) yeah and I currently work in government.
0: Amazing! (laughs) There is so much to unpack in your introduction, that's amazing, but I kind of want to start from the beginning, like what were you like as a child and what do you think, like, young kid would say to you
1: now <laughs> yeah oh my gosh um i think i definitely like see my childhood in kind of two parts like i think there was that kind of period for me like before i was 12 where i mean if i asked myself this like a year ago i would have been like he was the most annoying fucking child in the world like just so loud like so in people's faces like just you know the most like extra child in the world but um yeah i just i just had so much energy all the time I was like love dancing love singing like we're kind of doing then you know um yeah I think I think I kind of mentioned in um you know you say that I did as well that I would literally like every weekend just dress up in like a blanket like tied around my body and like put my mum's makeup on and like we had these like burn dvds that you get from like the Indian bazaar and it just had like all the top songs of like um you know the year on it and I would just like dance to all the Bollywood songs like feel like I was in the movie and like (laughs) Yeah I I was just super like energetic and just super um, like fearless I think like I just always did my own thing like I loved playing with Barbie dolls I loved like you know dressing up doing all that kind of stuff Um, and then yeah I think the the kind of part post 12 was very tough Um, I think yeah starting especially like starting intermediate school and just becoming a lot more aware of myself and especially the people around me becoming a lot aware of me you know i had gotten like comments before that you know i was a little bit feminine or i kind of acted like a girl but it always kind of just you know like i just brushed it off my shoulders but I think then like when especially for like young teenagers like you you're just so hyper aware of everything and you're really like learning who you are and like finding out about your identity so yeah I just became super like um introverted and you know it like kind of killed and went a little bit um I was super uh, nervous and like got bullied a lot and just like really really struggled to figure out who I was um yeah it was it was a like really really tough time and I think that's for me, that kind of feels like the part that I am i still kind of carry with me now a little bit, you know, that kind of 12-year-old that I think still has so many of those insecurities and, you know, um, just carries so much of that, like, trauma of, like, being called, like, a fag and gay and all of this kind of stuff before I could really even process it myself. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think a lot of that I still kind of, you know, carry on my shoulders quite a bit. Um, but I think the older that I get now and the more comfortable I become with myself, like, the more I'm trying to, like, look for that kind of, pre-12 year old again you know that one that was just so like so fearless and so curious and just did whatever he wanted and and just felt so free and you know um really just like loved life like just did not give a shit about what anyone thought about him and um yeah so I yeah I think if, if there's something I could say to my youngest self it's just like you know like never lose that spark that you have you know I think it got almost like beaten out of me in a way and and i think a lot of times like i really lost hope and i just felt like i wasn't ever going to amount to any anything that i was like worthless that i wasn't good enough that you know i i just always felt like this like weird alien creature because like i didn't see anybody around me that really looked like me or acted like me but i think now as an adult like i just admire that part of myself so much and i'm you know kind of trying to like find him again and trying to see those little ways where he comes out and it's like yeah keep keep hold of that because that is gonna be the most important you know part of your identity when you get older and and that part you really want to hang on to you know your your like individuality and your uniqueness so yeah i think definitely carry on to that spark and just know that everything takes time you know it's never just this quick fix of you're going to know who you are or you're going to understand who you are like it's it's a process that like you have to go to and like I'm so grateful that I did go through that and you know I'm in I'm in the place that I am now so yeah
0: yeah it's so interesting that you use the word free because as you were describing what you were like in your early childhood years and that's what I was thinking too it just sounded like you were so free and like given permission and the space to just be, doesn't yeah. literally just be, but it's it's quite sad how then as you grow older and you become aware of society and the boxes that we like to put people in, Yeah, how it just stops you from really being yourself, and yeah. being a teenager is so it hard is already, tough, it's man. just such yeah. a tough time, <laughs> but if you're from minority groups and then belong to different minority groups as well, with like your intersecting, intersecting. identities, it's... Yeah even harder, and like, we kind of grew up in a time, we were like 90s kids, right? Yeah, yeah. In the early 2000s, I just remember how hard it was. There was like very little representation. Yeah. It was like post 9-11 and, you know, there were a lot of negative stereotypes around you know, ethnic people, Muslim people, brown people definitely, yeah yeah, and just so
1: many like generalizations as well, you know it was just people had no... I think we just don't have the kind of like knowledge and, and the kind of discussions that we have now which I think I'm really grateful for but back then it was you know, kind of just like there and we didn't know how to talk about it or how to bring it up. You know, I didn't know who I was as an Indian existing in this very like westernized place with a lot of white people around me, you know, I I didn't really understand the implications of that. Um, and, you know, it's so nice now that I think kids these days probably do have, like, a little bit of a better understanding of it. it's probably still quite tough for them, but, um, yeah, back then it just it just wasn't talked about, you know, and if it was, it was, like, a racist comment or, you know, something about going back to my country, and it's like, well, this is my country, like... <laughs> you I was know.
0: literally born here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, like,
1: I've been here, like... <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, just a, a really, really different time, yeah. That's
0: so wild. <clears throat> um, I'd love to go back to the comment that you mm. made about... Um, you know, being Indian in a Western space because that mm-hmm. was one thing that struck me about your essay. How you were like, I was always so proud to be Indian, and yeah. it honestly was the exact opposite for me. I was like, right. I don't want anything to do with my Somali culture, like, oh, wow. I really just if I could be, I wanted to be white. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, because yeah. Like, my young brain was like, Yep, yeah, this is this is how I know I, I won't get bullied as much, or this yes. is how I know that I'll just be seen as normal and yep. not weird. Yeah, uh, for but sure. I'd love to hear from you, like, um, you know, where did you find that strength to just be like, yep, I'm Indian, even though you're, like, growing up in New Zealand, and especially in the early 2000s, it just wasn't really, like, a forgiving place. Yeah, as as
1: definitely, yeah. I think it's interesting, because I think, like, what I found is that my... Because I was like so like feminine from a young age and I, you know, very much the hands and the voice and the, you know, like that was kind of the most obvious part of me in a sense, like I think obviously having the skin colour and stuff like that, you know, people could tell that I obviously wasn't white, but like, I think the queerness was always um, kind of became the focus point of who I was rather than like my Indianness. and the only times I'd really get that externally was in groups, but I was just like, well, I don't really care, like I, you know, I had my own relationship with it and i think just in a lot of ways like it really like saved me when i was little you know like i think Mm -hmm. just not seeing that representation of yourself anywhere you know kind of like i said i always just felt like this weird creature that didn't seem to fit in anywhere i didn't have any sort of people to look to that kind of looked like me and, and acted like me so i think for me i always just like really identified with you know the the bollywood actresses and and just felt that kind of innate femininity in myself that i felt so proud of and like I think even with the music as well, you know, we were kind of like dancing <laughs> to an Indian song when we started off but like especially that song, like, you know, there's such a, sh- it, it feels like it reaches some part of my soul that like I don't think I'll be able to explain, you know, and maybe part of it is kind of tinted with nostalgia a little bit but it just, you know, I feel so like connected to my roots and I just remember listening to that music as a kid and not understanding why this had such a huge, you know, had so much like meaning to me and, and mm-hmm. just felt so important mm-hmm. to me um, so yeah, I don't know, I think I think it just it was always just this like secret little part of myself that I loved having, having you know, like I was always like a little bit of an attention seeker as well. Um, so like I loved having this kind of secret life where I loved being able to tell people that like oh yeah I went and saw an Indian movie in the weekend, or yeah we had Indian food for dinner, I went to the Diwali festival, like you know for me it was fun because it was just this, this thing that I love so much and that was was mine you know like it was just unique to me and I, I didn't understand why i was super feminine i didn't understand why i couldn't really process what my sexuality was at that time but at least i had this one thing that made me feel really safe and made me feel like i i knew myself in a way you know i knew all those songs i knew that for i had eaten that through my whole life like i it was just all around me and i just yeah i just like i just loved it so much you know <laughs> oh, i really yeah. love how um
0: how you spoke to that because it's like Look, to me, what I'm hearing is like your culture gave you something that, you know, living in Aotearoa or living in this Western world couldn't give you, it gave yeah. you like, a safe place to like explore, explore this femininity that you're talking about. Absolutely. Really yeah.
1: And I, I definitely know what you're talking about because I think like my brothers went through like a lot of the same things you talk about where they really struggled with you know, that, like, being Indian, and especially, I think, like, having a lot of white friends as well, and, like, playing a lot of sports, and doing things like that, and, you know, I remember them kind of mentioning, like, it would just always be pointed out to them, or it would always be the butt of the joke, or something that they didn't really want to focus on, but, you know, was always, they were always made to focus on, and, like, I think definitely affected their relationship with their culture, like, as they got older, and, mm-hmm. you know, which is really, like, sad, because, yeah, I think, kind of, like, I've said, like, I just never... Felt that sort of disconnect but i can understand how you know when you want to be a part of the majority so badly and you want to fit in and you want to be included mm-hmm. like you know there almost is like the sacrifice that you have to make to do that and yeah it's it's really really sad so it
0: is yeah sad but i'm glad for your case like there was that there is that really really strong connection there yeah it really sound like it was your refuge as yes. you were trying to like figure yourself out because I, I mean, uh, when did you first hear the word like queer or gay or like have that kind of understanding? I think
1: probably when I was like 12, like I just remember starting intermediate school and just immediately people started calling me like a fag and I was like What the hell is that? Like, <laughs> you know, I'd never heard that before in my life mm-hmm. but it just kind of got hurled at me and like I think a part of it knew that it was like a, like a derogatory word, mm-hmm. so yeah and and the same with gay as well you know back then it was such a negative word like everybody would just be like oh that's gay that's gay you know it was just tossed around like it was a negative thing and when people would call me that like I'd just get this immediate fear like I don't understand what you're like what you're trying to insinuate from that because I don't understand what gay means I don't understand anything about my sexuality Mm -hmm. you know I don't I I haven't even had the time or the space to really process that before it was kind of forced on me Mm um so it took a really long time and like just like not even just like it, it was way down later down the line until i could really like accept it and embrace it and like be the way i am now but i think probably acknowledging it to me was maybe not until i was like 16 you know like i couldn't even say the word to myself i remember like writing my diary saying like i like i'm pretty sure i'm bisexual i think like obviously i still like women, but you know i kind of have crushes on men like you know i just i couldn't even really like acknowledge it to myself because i just never had that time to like really think about it and Mm -hmm. not connect it to the possibility of like violence or being bullied or you know being attacked for who I was so yeah it really took a long time for me to kind of deal with that
0: and you know what i can absolutely understand i mean if that word was like forced upon you and then if it was used in the negative context yeah of course it's going to be hard to kind of process that and then unlearn all of that yeah. nasty stuff that was associated <laughs> with it, absolutely and then it out, like redefine what it means for you yeah but the reason why i ask is because it sounded like you got that refuge from your culture and like bollywood music before you even had all of this all
1: these labels shoved onto you which i think is a really really beautiful thing definitely yeah yeah i really definitely agree with that like yeah it was always just something that i could before even understanding that i was gay like i i felt like i wanted to be a girl and like i was fine with that you know like i obviously like you know the people around me felt a certain way about it but like i just really didn't care at the time and it didn't affect me so badly that i kind of thought differently until you know, people started kind of seeing it more of about being about my sexuality, and I realized like, oh, okay, maybe it's quite bad to also be feminine, or maybe I'm doing this to make people, you know, treat mm-hmm. me that way, but, um, yeah, I think even now, yeah, like you said, it's, it's such a refuge for me, so, yeah.
0: That's really beautiful. Um, I want to um, explore with you a little bit more, just like your journey, Um, you know accepting and being loud and proud about your sexuality because Mm -hmm. you know I everyone kind of talks about like their coming out story but in my journey of trying to be a better ally to our queer community I've come across some like readings and stories stories, that coming out is actually Quite humble sometimes, or like using that word and yeah. actually coming out is like a really a Western thing to do. And sometimes, like, and then for some cultures, there isn't even a closet to begin with. So yeah. why are you coming out? Because there is no closet. Exactly. And yeah. As someone who is of the queer community and um, ethnic community, mm. I'd love to hear like. From, from your experience, like, what do you think of the term coming out? And is yeah. that something that we should let go of? Or is that is it still okay to use from your point of view? Yeah,
1: I that's a really interesting question. Um, I think, yeah, I think it definitely does get discussed quite a lot. And I think especially in the context of media that is so solely focused around coming out, because I think for so long that idea was just um, focused on the on wanting acceptance from like straight people and, and you know doing it for the sake of I think maybe gathering sympathy or you know so that straight people could kind of see like oh yeah they're, they're real people too they have feelings they have lived with this deep dark secret for so long but I think it's definitely a point of contention because it's like that's just not the only part of us that you know that's not, that's not the only thing to us you know and for so long like media especially was either about a coming out story or it was about violence Or about you know sexual um, proclivity like those were really the only things that you could kind of bounce around and yeah I think with coming out like it's for me like I always felt it was so much more for myself than for anyone else you Mm -hmm. know it was actually that like verbal acceptance of who I was and being able to tell the people that I love Mm -hmm. that I can do that rather than I think getting their acceptance and I think obviously like that comes with a lot of privilege as well because I know people. You know it come from like homophobic families and just not knowing how they're going to react or if they like transition like not knowing how their parents are going to react so yeah i think there is this it comes from like a deep sense of wanting to just be like your full authentic self mm-hmm. and like i think at that essence like it's really beautiful like it's really nice that you know you do want the people around you to know the real you and unfortunately being in like such a heteronormative world like there is this kind of demand that you have to come out first or that you know people aren't really going to know the real you until you make it very Obviously clear to them, you know, like I've always kind of been like this and I think people would have assumed that I was gay No matter what but it was still such a big thing for me to actually be able to say that out loud um, You know and do that But yeah, I think I think I just had a really different kind of coming out um, like my mum actually like read, um one of my diaries from after I moved out of the house um, I had kind of left one of my diaries there and she'd actually read it and saw me talking about being gay and really struggling with it um, especially in my first couple of years at uni mm-hmm. and and um, yeah so she kind of like confronted me about it and and was just talking me to me about it and I just like did not know how to deal with it because Mm -hmm. I was so not at that point in my life when I felt like I could be honest to myself and you know like I was so afraid of like people seeing me change or being this like different version of myself and I've been so conditioned to be very you know um withdrawn and and just not yeah, not wanting people to see that. Like actually, I was this new person, and I was discovering myself, and I was learning about my identity. You know, mm-hmm. I just I just wasn't ready for that. Um, and so, yeah, I think I had a de- very different experience um, in that kind of sense. But um, yeah, I. I don't know where that was really going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was was really, really wonderful. I think um, you've raised some really interesting points, and that's you. That is so true. When you were saying like coming out, and especially the way they portray it in like media, just like movies, books, whatever, Mm. it is. It is always about like whoever's hearing it, right? Yeah. Okay. Like now your secret is Is, out of the closet. That is a really. Now that you've worded it like that, I'm just like, it's a very harmful way of thinking about it. Yeah.
1: And just like, and I think it's just interesting to imagine that if we had started talking about that from a younger age or you know parents had started you know because I, I like i feel like i hear from so many people that like especially those that were like religious or went to churches like it just never got brought up you know sexuality was never brought up or the only way it was brought up was as you know homosexuality it, it's is a sin so by the time you get to that point where you're ready you're comfortable with your identity and you're ready to come out to your parents like you've got all this weight on your shoulders because you've never had that discussion before you know you don't know how they're going to react or you kind of just assume based on previous reactions they're going to react in a certain way so i feel like if we actually had started having those conversations so much earlier and just learning that it's a very normal intrinsic part of your life that it wouldn't feel like such a burden to have to do it you know maybe we yeah we wouldn't have to do it at all
0: that is true. There would be no closet because we just There's accept no, yeah. people, however they are, whoever they are. Yeah. Um, you talking about your your mum finding your your diary, and then at that point you weren't really sure, or you're still trying to figure yourself out, and that kind of brings me back to when I was reading your article, and that person accused you of being fake gay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What was like, especially those uni years, because it sounded like yeah. those early uni years, just like really impacted you a lot and so I was just kind of wondering
1: what was what was going on, <laughs> like, yeah, was going on? yeah I mean yeah for sure I think uh, like I always had this assumption in my mind and I think like I had always just been like a very naive person but like all throughout my schooling years like there was always you know it was just this fight to survive at a certain point because you know everywhere I went, I'd be questioned about my sexuality I'd be asked I'd be teased I'd be you know it was always brought up so I think there was just this almost like my natural instincts just turned on and i was like okay you need to shut that down you just need to get through these five years and then once that's over then you can kind of be your full true self you can like find your people and you know i think i always just had that hope in my mind that that's how it was going to happen you know i just and i went to an all-boys school too so there was just no room for any sort of you know people would ask me and it got to the point where i was just like yeah i I literally just want to say yes and get this over and done with but you know I, I didn't know what the repercussions of that was so yeah I think I always had this idea that when I finished high school that I would just be like out and proud and you know be, just be like living my kind of authentic self but um yeah it definitely didn't happen like that at all I think I was just still caring so much like trauma from those years of being in school and so much like internalized homophobia as well mm-hmm. um and then and just when you get so conditioned to having to like shove it right down and pretend that it's not there you know like I, I would almost start to believe it in some ways I'd almost just start to believe that like okay maybe you know this is something I'm never going to be able to talk about you know maybe I've got my feelings mixed up maybe I'm just you know this is like an unnatural thing to be feeling because like I don't know what I don't know how to act on it I don't know how to talk to people about it you know mm-hmm. there was just so many layers of like shame and like feeling disgusting about myself that I couldn't really confront it um and so yeah I think those first couple of years of uni were really really tough like and even with the friends that I made it was so incredible and like so many of them queer as well I just didn't know how to approach the subject because you know I just hadn't really dealt with that trauma that I had kind of gone through and um you know I was so like I've kind of said in my article as well like I was just so afraid of being vulnerable with them and Mm. I felt like having to admit that you know having to talk about my gayness and having to talk about being queer would also come with having to talk about the trauma that I went through attached to it you know so it was almost like this blockage that I was like I'm just gonna not say anything at all and let people assume things and you know um yeah it was it was a really really tough experience and i don't think it was until i started to really have more queer friends and like they would kind of open up to be to me and be more vulnerable with me that i was just like you know what this isn't really as big a deal as i make it out to be and i just can't keep living with only being able to show like a quarter of my true self and pretending that that other side of me isn't there, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I really had to learn to like open up and just talk about it more and, and, you know, take those like baby steps of dropping gay in a conversation or saying if I had a crush on someone and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd get the immediate like sweats and the heat and then it'd be like, oh. Okay, I'm good. You know, that was yeah. fine. That wasn't, uh, the world didn't end, like, you know.
0: It always does when you have to, like, reveal parts of yourself that that you hold on to so close Yeah, It does feel like you're going to jump on, off a cliff and then you just don't know where you're going to land. Absolutely, <laughs> right? yeah. Like,
1: the world's just going to go
0: black. Yeah. <laughs> I understand just, that feeling. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: just, like, a real lack of, like, trusting people as well, you know. I think I really, really did not trust people enough to feel like they could kind of because it, it felt like such a big secret even though it was probably super obvious you know I still felt like it was just this part of myself that I could never really reveal because you know for felt so long in school like I, I couldn't talk about about it to my friends or you know my friends would kind of be the ones that would kind of tease me and you know bring it up in, in public settings and I was so afraid of being embarrassed and so afraid of you know being made to feel shameful that like yeah I really really struggled to trust people and just never knowing what their true intentions were or if they were kind of out to get me so I think that definitely had like a big part of it as well you know me kind of holding on to that for so long
0: and I'm so glad to hear that like your other queer friends who kind of led and by sharing their vulnerability first just kind of opened things up and, and made it a safe place for you yeah and I think people sometimes forget about that like if you both show that vulnerability it can just like lead to magical and healing conversations Oh my This God. sounds so cheesy no, but it's my <laughs> queen Brene Brown says <laughs> so and if she says so, She's it's She's right
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> It's absolutely old. and I think we actually just need to normalize vulnerability Not oh just like God. with your closest and nearest friends but just showing everyone a little bit more empathy and vulnerability because so how true. are we ever going to get to know each other otherwise? Absolutely
1: and that was the thing that I, I feel like I always I never saw it from that side you know I always saw it as though like oh me being vulnerable is just gonna evoke sympathy from people for me or they're gonna feel bad or you know they're gonna think of me as like this less cool person or you know I was so caught up in that idea that it wasn't until like I at the start of this year is kind of right before I wrote the essay as well and I was just going through this whole thing like You know, just like really, really depressed and anxious, and um, you know, dealing with like a lot of self harm and stuff like that. And I wrote this whole thing on my Instagram, just being like, you know, I just can't live my life like this anymore. You know, I just can't continue to bottle all of this up and not be myself. And um, one of my friends kind of replied, saying like, oh, you know, now that you've been like vulnerable with uh, with me, like I now also feel like I can be vulnerable with you and be comfortable with you, and like. It seems like such a simple idea, but I'd really never thought about it that way before because I was so almost like selfish in my thinking, thinking that like, no, like I don't want to, people are just going to think this about me. They're gonna, they're not going to, you know, like it's, it's too much pressure on myself to have to open up and then people are going to look at me differently, you know, but I never thought that like, oh yeah, when you open up to someone, they also feel more comfortable opening up to you. And it's just like completely changed like all my friendships and my relationship with my family as well, you know. Like, it was such an important step to take. But yeah, exactly what you said, you know. Like, if we, once we're able to do that, like, I think we would have so much more empathy for each other and just feel so much more comfortable, like, talking about our problems and shit we're going through because we're all going through it, you know. Like, it's never a burden. Like,. Yeah
0: Um, I want to circle back To the internalised homophobia But before we get there We keep bringing up this article And people are I am sorry say, like, What are y'all talking about I feel like it's this like Magnus <laughs> opus
1: of like yeah. it's when I wrote my book Like Back yeah, exactly. you know, yeah, exactly. in my autobiography <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, But uh, Kenan wrote this Amazing amazing article For the spin off um, And it's part of the Sunday essay series And that's how I I found you for the show actually Yeah and The whole essay is about Kevin of talking about you know him being fake gay, fake Indian and um, yeah like you you delved into so much but now that this essay is kind of out in the world Mm -hmm. what is this sense of like not only you being vulnerable with like your inner circle it's like the whole internet and how (laughs) has that been like like what's the response been like and how has that changed your opinions on vulnerability now that you've kind of shared it it
1: out Into the onto the internet Oh absolutely Yeah I mean I think it was just So overwhelming Like the response I got From people You know Like I Cause I think a part of me Just wasn't Like expecting anything To kind of come from it You know Like I was I, I think I was So much more focused At that time Of being like a writer And like Um, you know just wanting to kind of get my story down on paper and like make it really good and all that kind of stuff that by the time this the you know essay actually came out and like just the response I got from everyone was just so amazing you know like people that I went to school with that were you know just didn't realize that I'd been experiencing that like other Indian friends who were kind of like wow you've, you've summed up that experience of being like a POC in Aotearoa like so clearly you know like I also felt that inauthenticity and that fakeness and yeah, it's, it's just been really incredible. And, like, it all kind of came from... Um, I was reading this book by Wati um, Himaida. It's called My Uncle's Story. And he, you know, it's about, like, this um, kid in, like, the early 2000s living in... the uh, Like, a Maori kid um, living in the early 2000s. And he finds this diary from uh, one of his uncles uh, who was in the war that he didn't even know existed. Um, and, you know, he talks about, like, being gay in it and, and oh, being gay wow. in the army and, like, getting, um, you know... Uh, I can't think of the word, like kicked out of his family and Mm -hmm. he wasn't giving like proper like burying rights and so it's kind of about this kid now who's also gay like trying to, you know, reclaim his story and reintegrate that into, you know um, society and there's just this part at the end that like forever like change my life that when he was kind of like you know uncle sam like i want to always preserve your story i want to work you know what it means to be like takatapoi into the frameworks of being maori i'll tell your story until no one else will listen to me i'll change like the cultural boundaries that you know exist within this like the society that we live in and like it just like hit me so hard because it was like wow you know like i feel like i can really, like, do that for myself and, like, really do that for, you know, being, like, a queer Indian person living in this country, like, that's the kind of impact I want to have, you know. I For all my childhood, I felt like I was the only one that really existed as I was, but now it's, like, we have the opportunity to actually, like, talk about these things and, you know, hopefully make, like, you know, he see that, like, it's You know it's so normal and it's so natural and there are so many people out there like you that have probably done dealt with so many of the same experiences so yeah that was really that jumping off point for me that was like i just i need to kind of get that out there you know one to get it out of my system but for also hopefully people like me to see it and be like wow i i didn't realize that someone else had all these same experiences and and you know dealt with all these same things so yeah it's, it's just been amazing i just feel like a new sense of freedom that like it's just there and you know but if i ever need to kind of explain my life story to someone i can just refer to it and, you yeah, know like, it like us,
0: here's the link yeah yeah exactly
1: yeah just, you, know, you want to know about me here you go right? yeah oh,
0: wow I, I want to read that book now yeah oh, it really amazing.
1: changed my life yeah and that
0: sounds just like a really big catalyst moment of healing it Absol- really does because it, honestly, it sounded like up until this point, the world just kept telling you you're not okay. Yeah. You're not okay as who you are. And yeah. then you read, you came across that bit in the book and you were like, actually, no, I, I can be. And for you to share your story like that, that would have offered like so much healing oh. to others as well. Yeah. Um, which is so special. And that's why I think representation matters so much. Because, oh my God, you yeah. know, It's kind of like if you're not hearing little bits of yourself It's low-key kind of telling you like you're a invisible in society and be like however you are whoever you are. It's not okay Yeah, and I just want to know like when was the first time you kind of remember like that positive Queer South Indian presentation that you were like yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um first
1: time was it's this movie called Kapoor and Sons and there's this scene at the end where um you know one guy he's he's been like on the conversation to his partner like throughout the whole movie and you never see it and then um you know his mum kind of finds photos of him with like another guy and and it's a very like mainstream Indian movie so like I remember the first time I watched it I almost felt like I was having like a panic attack or something you know I was just and I think I was watching it with my mum too so it was that extra thing of like you know I can't and I wasn't out at this time so I was like I just can't look at her I can't she can't see my reactions right now you know but it, it was such a surreal feeling because honestly like it, it genuinely feels like you just don't exist you know and it's so true what you said about representation because it's like until you actually see that somewhere like like I really just believed I was the only one that was like this or I was like a defect or you know I yeah there just wasn't that thing there that I could I had like a framework to be like oh okay this is this exists and there are so many people like me Um, so I think that was kind of the first thing but you know that was still kind of like a coming out story and you know kind of was still kind of like a negative portrayal of it as Mm -hmm. well um but yeah i think since then there have just been so many different like movies and tv shows with that representation in it and like not even just as a little side bit or as something to like evoke sympathy from the audience like it's the main stories you know there's just there's a show called um cobalt blue that's just about like a indian queer story um made in uh made in heaven as well um so many little bits and pieces that like every time it pops up i'm just like blown away I'm just like what the hell like where did all these things come from you know but I think it was really just starting it and then all of a sudden like you know so many things people probably just felt a lot more empowered and a lot more a lot less scared to you know make movies and tv shows like that I also think like not so much um like a cultural representation but I really think like the movie Love, Simon and the tv show Heart, Stop It like have been such huge you know, things for me because kind of like we talked about earlier, where it's either like a coming out story or it's a very, very violent story or it's very, you know, about, you know, being sexual. Um, those were kind of the first two, um, you know, pieces of media that showed me that, like, it's actually just okay to be gay and just to have a normal life and you know enjoy your friendships have little hobbies like you know like that idea that you you can live a very normal life but have this a part of it and i think especially like in a a westernized world as well and you know more so about like the little stigmas that come with it or you know the little forms of bullying or the you know stereotypes and things like that like yeah i think just to almost see myself in these characters and the way i grew up and the way that i kind of you know, um, yeah, I went through my experience was was just amazing, you know, because I feel like I didn't fit any of those other boxes and like, it was just, it, I thought so much, so much of the time that that was just going to be my experience of mm-hmm. life, you know, I had to either be very sexual or, you know, I would get, you know, deal with a lot of violence or, you know, the coming out was kind of the end of my like gay story and that was it, you know, but yeah, it's really nice to have these things that just show us, I guess, like being normal people and living our normal lives and, like, you know, falling in love and having friendships and all this other stuff. So, yeah, a lot of different things, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I really love that. It's so
0: beautiful. It yeah. sounds like all of these all These little stories just kind of normalize, things. It, and that's yeah. exactly what you want, absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. I just recently started watching Miss um, Marvel. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And just
0: like even little scenes of like them going to the mosque and like celebrating Eid and stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, What?
1: It's so wild, <laughs> <like>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the first time, it's like, Wait, what is it actually happening? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And especially for like Marvel, which is a huge platform, yeah. This is so cool. <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. So this is so, so cool. cool. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about like your intersecting identities because, mm-hmm. and, and especially because you brought up. Um, Sorry, I forgot the name of the book already, but the the one that changed your life. Oh, my Uncle Sam. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my Uncle Sam. Yeah. Yes.
1: And how? He... Oh, my Uncle's diary. Sorry. <laughs> my Uncle's diary. <laughs> is there any big book, yes. book fans? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that part where he was like, I'm gonna keep telling your story, and I'm yeah. gonna make sure that takatapu is incorporated into like our understanding. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like wondering from like your Indian point of view and Western point of view, like how is, Queerness understood and like, is there a difference from like the Indian perspective and and the Western perspective? Yeah, I
1: honestly don't know that much. I know that like um, like homosexuality was only decriminalized in like 2017 or something. So it's still a very I think new thing for the country and for the culture, and definitely was very very taboo, you know, back in the day. But um, yeah, I. I just don't know because I think I've grown up in such a Western setting that like I've always kind of just attached my experience to that. But I also think there have been a lot of subconscious things that I felt that, you know, have also kind of made me realize that intersect between, you know, being Indian and queer. Like I remember going to my brother's wedding um, a couple of years ago and everyone was kind of saying to my other brothers like the joke, like, oh, you know, you're going to be next. Like, it's going to be your wedding next. You know, do you have a girlfriend and all this kind of stuff? And no one said anything to me. You know, it was like crickets. Like nobody, I think everyone was so scared to like approach that subject yeah. with me because I think it was very obvious. You know, like I wasn't trying to hide myself. I was pretty comfortable with myself by that point. But you know, no one just wanted to broach that topic. And I think my mum's really the only one that's been and and my brothers, you know, that I've been able to be very open about myself with. But obviously, there's just still so many, um, you know, like some some I think that's, you know, like the traditions and the you know the shame and the, and the tabooness that exists within Indian culture that you know in a sense I think I do believe that you know I'm, I'm probably not going to get married one day because I'm afraid of what my outer family are going to think you know right. one one person in my family married a Pakeha woman and you know if she wasn't allowed to come over to relatives houses like things like that still happen so oh, wow. to be gay and to have that experience is, is maybe something that I, I'm still a bit scared of you know approaching and then you know really thinking about how to do that but Um, yeah I think just having my immediate family being so supportive and and so understanding of who I am is just really the most important part for me but yeah I think reading that book was like the first time that I really saw those intersecting Mm -hmm. identities you know and um, yeah like I just remember on like Drag Race they would always talk about you know there's just no way to be like like a black person in America and also be gay at the same time. And it was Mm -hmm. such an aha moment for me because I was like, man, I just feel the exact same way, you know, it comes with a whole other bit of stigma and like also just, you don't fit into the clique as easily with, you know, especially like, you know, white male gays. Like it's, it's really, really tough. And um, I think you kind of have to just track your own path out and like figure out your own ways to kind of connect the two together. And like, I've been really lucky this year to find so many other like queer Indian people and, like really amazing organizations like Adika Aotearoa and um, Indian Pride Origin that you know have had those similar experiences and and also want to kind of bridge that gap a little bit better Um, so yeah it's yeah I think it's just kind of forging my own path and just figuring out how I feel like those two things connect you know and instead of just constantly trying to I think work up to the standard, standard of what it should be or being so afraid of the shame and the fear that you know traditions kind of hold so Mm -hmm. yeah
0: absolutely thank you so much for sharing that yeah Um, by the way like i understand it you know when you're scared about that kind of stuff it it is it's quite hard to talk about so thank you for sharing yeah Um, i really really appreciate that Mm -hmm. and um you're right we do have to just forge our own path yeah because you have the power and the agency to be like yep this is who i am yeah and this is how i show it It is this how i wear it on my sleeve yeah um, and so you know yeah. and life will keep challenging you like even and this is what i've been learning too like even when you are we do get to the point where you're like yeah i'm proud and i'm comfortable life will keep testing you all yeah <laughs> definitely every, every single time you don't have to just check in re-learn and, and like relearn yeah and just kind of figure out okay well Where's the next step in this path. So,
1: so true and i think like the other thing that kind of made me thought of as well was when i like spoke to my mum earlier this year and i had a really big conversation with her because i think she after that kind of coming out incidents i like, always felt really uncomfortable being vulnerable with her and speaking about my experiences and stuff and yeah. and so we had like a really amazing conversation and she's always been super progressive and inclusive and, and just you know there for me but i remember her kind of saying something like oh you know and Obviously, I don't know how you know the rest of the community is gonna feel. I don't know how you know your grandma's gonna feel or you know any other relatives. But like at this point, I just don't care. You know, like I just want your happiness and I just want you to feel like you can be comfortable. Cause maybe in the past I would have tried to be a little bit on the defense or you know try to make excuses or just say you're going through a phase, like things like. And she's been really honest with me and I really appreciated it. But um, yeah, she was, like just to hear that from her of being like, you know, I really don't care anymore. What they think, they can judge, they can say all these things They can be really you know derogatory towards you but at the end of the day like you're my son and all the only thing that really is important to me is that you're happy and that you know um you know that you've got me there for you know absolute 100 percent support so yeah that was just another thing that that (laughs) kind of made me remember yeah
0: what ends up happening and as you keep figuring things out you have like that safety net of yeah. your like, immediate family and your friends and that's all that really
1: matters. And I so don't take it for granted you know like I'm so so grateful like every day that I have the people in my life because I know for some people like it's really tough not to have that support system and I think sometimes I forget what that was like when you know I didn't have a lot of friends or I didn't have a lot of people building me up and right. I think to have that now it's like they're really the only people that get you through sometimes you know that are just there to listen and to have no judgment or no way of you know seeing you in any other type of way other than your authentic self, and yeah, I'm just I'm so grateful for for the people I have in my life and for the privilege I think that you know comes with that. Amen. Yeah. For a huh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Powered, not on yes. not <laughs> yes. So
0: on this empowered feeling, what would you say to the person who did accuse you of being a fake?
1: Gay? <laughs> well, this is the thing is that like I still don't understand if he. Like Because like I'm just such a huge Overthinker And I'm like Maybe I really did Overthink it
0: Yeah honestly You know It's like
1: maybe He really did just mean it In the sense of like Oh you haven't watched the season of Drag Race Which is the iconic season You know You're a fake gay But like To me the part That really stung Was the way he kept Saying it And he kept Mm. repeating it And like just got more and more like vicious and like nastier and like looking me dead in the eye and I was like oh I feel like you're trying to say something by this you know and I was already dealing with my own issues with like feeling excluded from you know kind of the cis white gay community and getting stared down at any freaking gay event I went to and shit like that so I think it kind of stung like a lot more but I think what I would say to him now is honestly like yeah you're right I am a fake gay like I am a fake idea of whatever you think being gay is you know like I I would so much rather kind of what we were saying like you have to forge your own path and I'm so proud that I am my own version of being queer you know I feel like I don't have those boundaries or those very set uh, you know that set interests or things that I should be doing or you know because it still comes with its whole whole load of like stereotypes and you know molds that I think you kind of assume when you are in the queer community you get to break a bit but um I think a lot of the time you're almost like forced to have those kind of boundaries and those things you should, you should be interested in and you're kind of made to feel you know yeah like a fake gay if you don't do that if you don't like drag race if you don't watch reality tv shows if you don't go to ivy on the weekend you know there are all these kind of things that still exist in there so it's just like hell yeah i'm a fake gay like you know i'm doing it. my own thing and that's that's beautiful i love
0: it <laughs> like no matter what communities you belong to yeah you should always check your privilege absolutely there, oh my god like we don't live in an isolated vacuum yeah and there are so many other things at play and even if you do think you come from a community where you don't have that much privilege mm-hmm. you're not part of the majority or you know the the norm yeah whatever that may be yeah like you still have your own set of privileges and biases and we should always check ourselves because like for me i hate to hear that you were excluded from a community that you, it took so long for you to even accept yeah who you are and yeah. then to go into this community you know wanting acceptance or like maybe expecting to find you know some kin or like yeah. that that, find that relation to not to not find that it's yeah. like um excuse me we all need to check our privileges and yeah. biases because again, like all of these systems are interacting with each other. Absolutely,
1: so. yeah. And that that like what you said, like that is just heartbreaking, you know, because I think when you go in with that feeling like, oh you know, I had to live through all this shit. I had to live in this very heteronormative world and around straight people. And now I get to go to my people and they're going to take me in. You know, I thought it would be this whole montage and like Whitney Houston playing and like me walking <laughs> into the gay bar and like, you know, like living my full fantasy. And I think when it didn't happen like that, like it just hurt so much because it's like you expect to not be accepted in certain spaces, but when you're not accepted in spaces that you really believe were going to be inclusive and safe, like it just sucks, you know, and you just feel even more lonely and even more... Um, you know, just not good enough, so yeah, yeah it's, it's really true about privilegism, and, and that same goes for being, you know, like a gay man, you know, I don't know what the experiences must be like for, you know, trans people, or for intersex people that, you know, a lot of people don't even have that really basic understanding of that, and all the stigma that's attached to that too, so yeah, yeah, a very that. good you point. you're
0: on your, like, you're aware of that too, and you're like, you know, yeah. well, like, actually, I've got a dedicate myself to holding space for for everyone. And then also in your article, you were talking about like decolonizing yourself. And I think it's so cool that you brought that up as mm-hmm. someone who is tau iwi and yeah. not, you know, not tangta whenua. And yeah. I think in, um, I'm, well, I'm just speaking to the Somali community now. Mm-hmm. I feel like we don't often really talk about, you know, the racism towards Tangta Kinoa, the history of colonisation. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's so cool as someone who was um, Tao Iwi, like, no, actually it's really important for me to, like, dedicate myself to and, like, you know, um, keep dedicating yourself to like keep unlearning and learning yeah
1: definitely i think that's such like a not to get all philosophical but like that's such an important part of life you know like that's i think to always just be curious and like willing to learn new things like that's that's self-growth and that's you know hopefully that path to like self-actualization i think like i really believe that like i never want to stop being like a lifelong learner or trying to learn new things and also just having that self-awareness too i think is so important, you know, like you said, like, constantly checking yourself and making sure that you're not being a contributor to a lot of those things, because I know how, like, what you were saying about kind of almost being, like, ashamed of your own culture, and I think I definitely felt that in parts about you know, the privilege that comes with being, like, a New Zealand-born Indian person, because, you know, I I think that does come with its own set of privileges, and, you know, I definitely got to walk through this world in a certain way, because I had that westernized understanding of the world, and I could kind of just mold myself to those systems, and, you know, but for people who weren't born here and and had to come over, it must have been such a different experience, and I remember feeling like a lot of internalized racism as well towards other people that, might have had an accent or you know spoke broken english and and things like that so yeah it's really important to keep catching yourself up, out on those things and and realizing that that's not kind of the way that you know you should be seeing the world like yeah it's so important
0: i feel you like with the internalized racism yeah, yeah. it like, definitely was like just so ashamed of like my parents accents yeah like, just like the widest family community i was like like why can't you just like be more yeah and Yeah. and it out loud i'm like oh this is so embarrassing, it's so embarrassing.
1: <laughs> that's embarrassing
0: no used to think like that but i also have to you know be kind to myself yeah that didn't obviously originate with me that it, feeling yeah. you know i definitely felt that assimilation and Internalise that assimilation into you know internalised racism and yeah. put that onto my own people. But um and do you think strange? Th- yeah, <laughs> do you
1: think in a way like almost your parents passing down that attitude to you as well? Because you were kind of saying how like they also grow up with like a lot of um, internalised racism or you know thinking badly about other cultures and things like that. Do you think that kind of idea that you should want to be as kind of westernised as possible was like passed down onto you, or you kind of carried those ideas that they might have been having?
0: Sorry, yeah, I just interesting question. I think very complex feelings about that because mm-hmm. every single time I would tell my parents about, oh this happened to me it was obviously because of, you know, me being a Muslim or me being um black. Mm-hmm. I would always just like minimize it, but not because they wanted to like neglect my feelings, but yeah. I think their mindset was very much just like you know we are grateful to be in a country where we can get opportunities yeah this is just a challenge reframe and think about the positives yeah um, yeah and yeah and sometimes and it wasn't just my parents like even just like going to the mosque and like um, being like around other Somali kids as well mm-hmm. there definitely was like um, some really harmful and racist things said about other ethnic minorities yeah but now that I'm a little bit older I think it was just coming from that place of the sense of competition yes because we were all trying to compete with you <laughs> know the white man's
1: yes. attention <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and
0: so we all kind of each other I think that's where it came from
1: yeah yeah that's really interesting and I feel like that's a lot of thing that like a lot of like minority people carry with them as well that that need for like white acceptance like i know i was definitely like that for a long time where i just became a people pleaser and like you know i used to love that working and like hospital jobs as well i was like my one thing that i want to get out of this is for like the white people to think i'm like a nice good person contributing to society you know and it's like thinking about now i'm like why like how is that so important to me you know but i felt like i needed that like validation because it was you know without that i was like oh they're just gonna think i'm this weird person and i'm i'm you know like i need that in order to like love myself and feel good about myself and like you know yeah it's uh, such a yeah strange dynamic
0: (laughs) yeah i also felt that as well and it wasn't until i like decolonized myself yeah Try to. I mean, I'm still on that journey now, but like, really reversing that internalized racism. Yeah. Just like, wow.
1: I don't need no white person's <laughs> yeah. acceptance, like. Exactly. You know, exactly. Like...
0: I just, I just need my own. Yeah. I honestly wish I could keep talking to yes. you forever, but um, to kind of wrap up this mm. episode, I have one final question for you, um, and it might be a bit sprung on you. I'm not too Ooh. sure if I sent it to you. Okay. So, it's okay. What so, can I go with the phone? Yeah. But, thinking about that aaseiroa where it's like really empathetic and honors the diversity that is in this country Mm -hmm. um your two cents on like what do we need to be thinking about what do we need to be talking about what do we need to be doing to get to that stage i'd love your perspective on that
1: oh i think i think the big thing is definitely just the art of like listening like i feel like in this world like we constantly feel the need to have like a perspective or an opinion or add our voice to the conversation and you know like there's this there's just always this need to be like unless you're one of the people contributing that you know it's kind of like if the tree falls in the forest like will anyone hear it it's almost like if your voice isn't heard do i actually feel anything about this and i think a lot of the times like a lot of what we were saying with you know like um the mosque attacks and um like black lives matter and you know even kind of like the abortion bans that happened quite recently like it's so important to just listen to those people that are actually going through it and listen to what they need and what they're you know what they're calling for from the community or what they're asking for rather than just constantly trying to add your little bit you know um and I think I definitely find that like working in government where there's just this constant you know there's just so many talks about like oh you know we need to be um, you know, more respective of like Māori, iwi, hapu needs we need to co-design processes that's a new buzzword we need to co-design processes with them you know, but then it, the conversation then goes to a meeting where it's just like okay, yeah, we'll come up with like a draft plan and we'll just like send it out to them and get feedback and it's like, well you're not like actually listening to them you know, there's no sense of like you know tina rangi, tina ranga, if you're just telling them what you want to hear from them and expecting to get that feedback back, you know. And I think it's kind of the same way with like social media after these things happen, where you know there's kind of that need of um, performative activism as well, you know, where oh people gosh, need yeah. to show that they feel some type of way about it or like they have an opinion on it in order to just be seen and you know, um, not be kind of cancelled or whatever, which it's just like drives me fucking insane but yeah i think it's kind of those two things of just like actually just like listen do your own learning like like actually just open your mind to it without needing to have like a, a set opinion about it because i think too like there's i think it's definitely like a really hard thing to need to know everything or need to uh, you yeah. know have that power of knowledge and that and that need to be like an expert in areas Rather than being willing to not know things and like actually dealing with that uncomfortable feeling of not knowing something, you know, because I think before there can be any sort of acceptance or any sort of conversation about it, like you need to deal with those uncomfortable feelings and just be okay with like, you know, learning from other people and and yeah, not not having that yourself like it's okay you know breathe like
0: <laughs> yeah everything that you've just said so thank you so much for rising to the occasion
1: of the yes we had to come through you,
0: <laughs> you have come through and i 100% agree with you
1: yeah yeah it's
0: yeah you're one wise human
1: no <laughs> and and i can fight my ego, <laughs> my
0: ego. <laughs> and thank you so much for being so raw and vulnerable and sharing your story and I really
1: appreciate you. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much for having me. And like, you've just been so amazing. Like, I I really feel so inspired by you, and just like all the you know different work that you do, and like even inviting me here on the first place. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, it's it's so crazy. So yeah, thank you so much for like being being willing to have these conversations and asking the tough questions, and yeah, doing a, d- a little dance with me beforehand. you <laughs> <got> really helped. <laughs> and that's a wrap on that. Thank
0: you Woo-hoo! so much for tuning in and. Catch Thank you for tuning in into another episode of Headscarfs and Good Yarns. To keep spinning the yarns, let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Headscarfs and Good Yarns or email us at headscarfsandgoodyarn at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On Air.